the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Seven minutes after four o'clock is our time. Glad to have you with us. Today we're going to talk with Shanti Feldhahn. She's the author of most recently of Find Rest, a woman's devotional for lasting peace in a busy life. We're also going to talk with Paul uh, Zubinski, who is the director of innovation at Frontier Ventures, where he leads the Ralph D. Winter Launch Lab on Sunday, May the 20th. That's the third annual International Day for the Unreached. And there's a 90 minute global rallying cry special that's taking place at Focus on the Family. You can watch that uh, on the Internet. We'll tell you more about it. And by the way, that coincides with Pentecost Sunday, which is this Sunday, May the 20th. We're also going to talk with Jeff Allen. You've been hearing a little bit about him. He's coming to the Portland area for a comedy uh, night. A Clean Comedy Night with Jeff Allen is coming up on the 16th of June at East Hill Church. We'll have an opportunity to talk with him. And we're also going to be giving away a family four-pack of tickets to uh, participate in that fun evening of clean comedy. So that's all um, coming up. Well, President Trump's pick for CIA Director Gina Haspel was uh, confirmed today by the Senate with help from several Democrats who backed the nomination despite concerns over her role in post-9-11 era interrogation and detention practices. The Senate voted 54 to 45 to confirm her, with six Democrats voting in support, two Republicans defecting. The vote came a day after she was uh, recommended in a 10 to 5 vote by the Senate Intelligence Committee. She'll be the first woman to lead that agency. Haspel, who's going to replace now Secretary of State Mike Pompeo served as the uh, uh, the base chief at a uh, black site prison in Thailand in 2002, where techniques such as waterboarding were used on terror suspects. Republican supporters accused Democrats of politicizing her nomination and initially trying to derail an otherwise highly qualified nominee. At her confirmation hearing last week, Democrats grilled her on her views of what they deemed torture, as well as objecting to what they saw as the CIA's selective declassification about information on her. She was also questioned at length about the 2005 destruction of more than 92 interrogation tapes, uh, which she did at the um, uh, command of her abettors, uh, her higher-ups, if you will, a move she said she supported to ensure the safety of CIA agents. She refused to criticize her colleagues and superiors for their conduct during what she called the tumultuous time, and this is right around 9-11, but said the CIA under her watch would not resume such techniques. She also defended her own conduct, saying, after 9-11, I stepped up. I was not on the sidelines. I was on the front lines in the Cold War, and I was on the front lines in the fight against al-Qaeda. In response to a question from Senator Ron Wyden, she, her confirmation rather had been in question since Senator Rand Paul later joined uh, Senator Jeff Flake, uh, joined by Jeff Flake, uh, said that they would not vote for her and they did not. Well, I thank Ms. Haskell for her long and dedicated service to the CIA as a uh, as a country. We need to turn the page on this unfortunate chapter in the agency's history, along with the absence of Senator John McCain. It meant that Haspel needed Democratic votes to assure her confirmation. She got them and she was confirmed earlier today. 
Meanwhile, as explosive uh, an explosive eruption from Hawaii's Kilauea summit sent a bloom of a plume rather of ash soaring thirty thousand feet into the air this morning, filling the air with a stench of sulfur dioxide as residents nearby. Uh, they were being urged to shelter in place. The National Weather Service issued an ashfall advisory in effect at 8 a.m., uh, or rather through 8 a.m. on Friday. The U.S. Geological Survey um, said that uh, the explosion around 5 a.m. local time uh, showed photos of the uh, the crater that that uh, captured volcanic ash blowing out of it, and it could be seen, as I mentioned, some 30,000 feet. Local residents on the Big Island said that they heard a loud explosion just before dawn. Uh, one resident who lives near uh, one of the areas felt tiny pebbles hitting the roof. She thought it was just rain, but in fact it was ash and debris. Officials say uh, that wind could carry the ash toward the southeast and told residents to shelter in place to avoid driving due to low visibility and slick roads. The ash uh, dusted the area surrounding Volcano National Park, which has been closed since the 11th of this month with rain and fog. Um, ash combined with volcanic smoke, making it hard to see. Officials there and residents have been bracing for a potential larger explosion to come nearly two weeks after one of the world's most active volcanoes began erupting. And they say this uh, was not likely to have been the big one. So they're still waiting on that. I don't have a whole lot of time, but I'm, I'm going to start um, just commenting on this New York Times uh, story that did, in fact, uh, uh, make the point that there was some kind of a mole, some kind of a spy, if you will, uh, implanted by um, operatives of the U.S. government in the Trump campaign without a crime having been uh, identified. Uh, the um, New York Times uh, piece was... Somewhat um, vague on some of the major points from my perspective. National Review had this to say, if you're a fading baby boomer, you're faintly amused with the FBI codenamed its uh, Trump-Russia investigation, Crossfire Hurricane. It's an homage to the Rolling Stones' Goldie Oldie Jumpin' Jack Flash, which came, I come to think of it, might just be the perfect handle for John Brennan, the former Obama CIA director whose specter hovers over each critical juncture of the case. The youngins may not believe it, but back before it was known as classic rock, you couldn't just play your Crossfire Hurricane on Spotify. You had to actually spin it. Fittingly, that is exactly what the New York Times did uh, on Wednesday's blockbuster report on the origins of the Trump-Russia probe. Now, the Times uh, pointed out the the quick take on the uh, story is uh, in this 4,100-page opus is that the gray lady buried the lead. Uh, Fair enough. You have a, a pretty... Um, a pretty have to dig a pretty deep hole to uh, uh, to find that the FBI ran at least one government informant against the Trump campaign. And to note that the Times learned this because current and former officials leaked to reporters the same classified information about which just days ago the Justice Department shrieked um, extortion when Congress asked about it. But that's not even the most important of the buried leads. What the Times story makes explicit with studious understatement is that the Obama administration used its counterintelligence powers to investigate the opposition party's presidential campaign. That is, there was no criminal predicate to justify an investigation of any Trump campaign official, so the FBI did not open a criminal investigation. Instead, the Bureau opened a counterintelligence investigation and hoped that evidence of crimes committed by by Trump officials would emerge. But it is an abuse of power to use counterintelligence powers, including the spying and electronic surveillance, 
to conduct what is actually a criminal investigation for the purpose of one's campaign. Well, the Times barely mentions the word counterintelligence in its story. That's not an accident. The paper is crafting the media Democrat narrative. And here's how things are spun. The FBI was very public about the Clinton emails investigation, even making disclosures about it on the eve of the election. Yet it kept the Trump-Russia investigation tightly under wraps, despite intelligence showing that the Kremlin was sabotaging the election for Trump's benefit. This effectively destroyed Clinton's candidacy and handed the presidency to Trump. That's essentially what the Times says. Well, just because the two FBI cases are both referred to as investigations doesn't make them the same kind of thing. The Clinton case was a criminal investigation that was predicated on the mountain of incriminating evidence. Mrs. Clinton does uh, does not have, or rather does have, one legitimate beef against the FBI. Then-Director James Comey went public with some, but not uh, by no means not all, of the proof against her. It's not proper for law enforcement officials to publicize evidence from a criminal investigation unless formal charges are brought. So that's a legitimate beef from the Clinton campaign. In the scheme of things, though, this was a minor infraction. The scandal here is that Mrs. Clinton was not charged. She likes to blame Comey for her defeat, but she had a chance to win only because the Obama Justice Department and the FBI tanked the case against her in exactly the manner President Obama encouraged them to do in public commentary. Well, by contrast, on the other hand, the Trump case is a counterintelligence investigation. Unlike criminal cases, counterintelligence matters are classified. If agents had made public disclosures about them, they would have been committing crimes and violating solemn agreements with foreign intelligence services, agreements without which those services would not share information that U.S. national security officials need in order to protect their country. So they're two different kinds of things. Well, in the scheme of things, though, the problem is not that the FBI honed its uh, confidentiality obligations in the Trump case while violating them in the Clinton case. The scandal is that the FBI lacking the incriminating evidence needed to justify opening a criminal investigation of the Trump campaign, decided to open a counterintelligence investigation. With the blessing of the Obama White House, they took the powers that enabled our government to spy on foreign adversaries and use them to spy on citizens, Americans, Americans who just happen to be their political adversaries. Now, the Times averts its eyes from this point, although if a Republican administration tried this sort of thing on a Democrat candidate, it would have been the only point made. Well, like the Justice Department and the FBI, the papers banking on Russia to muddy the waters, and obviously Russia was trying to meddle in the election, mainly through cyber espionage and hacking. We won't go into all of that, but... This is an interesting disclosure, and it hinges on information that is going to be made public at some point in the very near future. And this is an attempt to try to explain it, at least to some degree. 17 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back 22 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part today by Zero Res. Coming up later this hour, we'll talk with Chanti uh, Feldhahn. She's the author most recently of Find Rest, a woman's devotional for lasting peace in a busy life. Well, the uh, completion of a long-awaited watchdog report on the FBI and the Department of Justice's uh, Hillary Clinton investigation during the 2016 presidential campaign has put Washington on edge. In fact, the New York Times article 
was uh, written uh, presumably in part to anticipate what was about to uh, to be made public. The clock is uh, counting down to its potential explosive release. Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz announced the draft report was done in a letter to members of Congress uh, yesterday. He didn't say when the results of the review will be officially released to the FBI, uh, DOJ, and congressional committees, however. But the Inspector General said he's provided a draft report to the Department and the FBI and requested that they review it to identify any information that should be protected from disclosure. Well, additionally, um, a Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz, additionally, uh, consistent with our usual process, we have asked the department uh, to do this review, he said. Well, for more than a year, Horowitz has been reviewing the FBI and the Department of Justice's actions related to the investigation into Clinton's use of private email server while she was secretary of state. Uh, Extraordinary deference has been given to or had been given to uh, she and her colleagues in this uh, Uh, In the run up to the campaign and Horowitz investigation has looked at a variety of allegations, including whether it was improper for the former FBI director, James Comey, to make a public announcement about not recommending prosecution over the Clinton email arrangement. His review has uh, already put top FBI official Andrew McCabe in legal jeopardy. The Justice Department's internal watchdog sent a criminal referral to McCabe in April to the U.S. attorney's office in Washington. And um, uh, that was in response to Horowitz finding that McCabe leaked information to the press about the investigation and later lied about it to Comey and federal investigators, prompting Attorney General Sessions to fire him in March. So there's uh, a strong possibility that charges will be brought uh, against some operatives in the FBI and the DOJ. Uh, Horowitz wrote in his letter to Congress that he is making relevant portions of the draft report available for review and comment by those interviewed Um, in the probe and those whose conduct is addressed in the report. He said they will allow the DOJ and the FBI to submit a formal written letter to the uh, to be attached to the final report before releasing it. We will update you on the specific timing for the report release, and I will be prepared to provide a briefing and testify publicly about our findings. Uh, In November, you might recall, he said his team was interviewed or rather has interviewed dozens of people, had interviewed about Uh, 1.2 million records in the course of the investigation. He said his team was looking at whether certain uh, underlying investigative decisions were based on improper considerations, political considerations, for example. The review also looked at whether the Justice Department Assistant Attorney General for Legislative Affairs improperly disclosed non-public information to the Clinton campaign and should have um, uh, been recused. Uh, That's in reference to official Peter Kadzik, who had uh, had been an attorney in the uh, past for Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta. Horowitz also said the review is looking at whether any Department of Justice or FBI employees improperly disclosed uh, non-public information. The review has already made uh, quite a splash. And then the uh, federal judge in the Manafort case who ripped uh, investigator Mueller's team obtained the scope demo detailing the Russian probe. Now, the scope demo is a, a memo, rather, as a way of describing uh, the rationale for the investigation in the first place. Well, that federal judge who recently ripped into special counsel Robert Mueller, who's been at it for about a year, has obtained a copy of that so-called scope memo that lays out the uh, parameters of the Russian probe. A, a court document filed on Thursday in the United States District Court of the Eastern District of Virginia shows that prosecutors have turned over the memo under seal to U.S. District Judge T.S. Ellis III. Well, during a court hearing rather earlier this month, he demanded to see an unredacted copy of Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein's August 2017 scope memo to Mueller outlining the scope of the special counsel's 
uh, Russia probe that congressional Republicans also have sought. That scope letter is what Rosenstein said is the actual area that Mr. Mueller can investigate. Um, a member of the House Judiciary Committee said on Thursday, Representative Andy Biggs, he hasn't given it to Congress. I think we're co-equal branches of government. We'd like to see it without redactions as well. So this is also uh, brewing. Uh, presumably the judge has it. Members of Congress have been asking for it. They've even asked the president to um, exert some power to press uh, the Department of Justice uh, to make those documents available to members of Congress. Well, Robert Mueller's Russia collision investigation hit the one-year mark today. Republicans have called the probe for the probe to end. Democrats argued the special counsel should be allowed to complete its work. In an exclusive interview with Fox News, Laura Ingram, Rudy Giuliani, now an attorney for the president, says Mueller has nothing on President Trump and that it's time for him to wrap up the investigation. Trump's newly filed financial disclosures forms include confirmation that he did, in fact, reimburse his attorney, Michael Cohen, for unspecified expenses that apparently included the Stormy Daniels hush money. And the president praised the rebellion against California's immigration policies in a roundtable discussion with state lawmakers opposed to the state's sanctuary laws, standing against Governor Brown. South Korean officials reportedly are urging North Korea to stick to denuclearization, uh, denuclearization agreements that have been made. That uh, Whether or not that meeting will take place is now uh, something of a mystery. They're threatening to cancel the summit, but... The question is, will China let it? Well, predictably, North Korea pulled out of the ongoing talks with South Korea yesterday, as well as threatened to uh, cancel the upcoming summit between dictator Kim Jong-un and President Trump in Singapore next month. Well, ostensibly because the annual U.S.-South Korea military drills were taking place. He knew they were coming. They, they occur annually. And he had, in previous comments... Uh, indicated that he was not uh, disturbed by them, but the North Korean state-run media reported this exercise targeting us, which is being carried out across South Korea, is a flagrant challenge to the uh, declaration and an international, or rather an intentional military provocation running counter to the positive political development of the Korean Peninsula. So it's rather odd, given his earlier statements, that he would make this statement, which is consistent with what he's always said before. Well, the United States will also have to undertake careful deliberations about the fate of the planned North Korea-U.S. summit in light of this pr- provocative military ruckus jointly conducted with the South Korean authorities, end quote. Well, the announcement runs counter to earlier reports, as I mentioned, that Kim did not object to the military exercise. However, it's worth noting that North Korea's language condemning the annual military exercise is significantly more reserved than in prior years. So it does, it is at least a toned-down version. Well, truth be told, this moving of the goalposts is nothing new for the rogue nation. Kim's primary goal is to maintain his grip on power, while at the same time working to relieve the extremely debilitating effects of the U.S.-led international sanctions. He's now angling for concessions from the U.S. ahead of any deal. It's the classical bait-and-switch play. China, while understandably desiring to avoid any real possibility of war in its region, still wants to maintain its North Korean puppet as a bargaining chip, which it can regularly rattle uh, for its own geopolitical aim. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot at play that doesn't just involve the U.S. and North Korea. Do these reports signal that the uh, highly anticipated summit talks are essentially over for not? Well, not at all, especially given that history. The two countries uh, that have the most to lose should be... Uh, Should the summit collapse, are North Korea and even more significantly China. President Trump has kept the pressure on China by continuing to threaten increased tariffs. Should China not concede to playing fair with trade, while at the same time he's offered juicy carrots, like uh, such as a willingness to reexamine those 
uh, export bans uh, on ZTE issued last month. So this all playing uh, somewhat together to try to uh, have a greater impact, influence on the outcome of whether or not the meeting takes place and what actually occurs and is accomplished once it does. 31 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Shanti Felthan, my next guest, Find Rest, a woman's devotional for lasting peace in a busy life. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back 36 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, being busy has become something of a status symbol in American life, but for many women, it seems like there's no way of avoiding it. Between work and errands, caring for children, caring for parents, maintaining friendships, and all that comes with the roles of executive, volunteer, student, friend, mom, wife, Well, girlfriend, female stress and exhaustion today is at an all-time high. Well, popular speaker, best-selling author, and groundbreaking social researcher Shanti Feldhahn wants women to know that a busy life doesn't have to be one of anxiety and stress. In her first devotional, Find Rest, a woman's devotional for lasting peace in a busy life, she leads women on a 60-day journey to find true rest and peace even in today's modern world, drawing on both scripture and science to focus on eight essential elements of rest. Find Rest is a cross between a devotional, a book on rest, and a personal journal, and a Bible study. It it makes the uh, the point that rest really is possible, and some of us need to be convinced of that point. Well, again, Shanti Feldhahn is a popular speaker. She's a best-selling author and groundbreaking social researcher. Her findings have been featured in media as diverse as Focus on the Family, Family Life Today, the New York Times, and Cosmo. With a master's degree from Harvard University, she has worked on Wall Street and Capitol Hill. Now she applies her analytical skills to helping people in relationships thrive. She and her husband, Jeff, live in Atlanta with their two children. Today, she joins us to talk about her latest book, which, by the way, is beautifully uh, presented, Find Rest, a devotional for lasting peace in a busy life. Shanti Feldhahn, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be with you. You know, normally when I do an interview, I keep the book here, and this is where I do most of my work in preparation for the the interview. I had taken it. It's such a beautifully um, <laughs> appointed book that I took it home, and I was I lived in fear that I'd forget to bring it back for our conversation. <laughs> but congratulations! This really is a, not only attractively done, but it really does. It's a restful presentation that uh, that helps to build confidence that yeah, we can be busy, but we can also experience peace. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, you nailed it right there. I mean, that's really what most of us need to be convinced of. Yes. <laughs> that's even possible. I, I, was, I don't know about you, but I look at that, that comment that Jesus makes that, you know, come to me, who all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And I mean, I believe with everything in me in what Jesus says, but it took me a while to think that that was actually possible. Yeah, especially when you're talking about things that have to be done. Uh, you know, there are some things that you can simply give up. I'm not going to do that any longer because I need to be less busy. There are, are lists of things that have to be done. And so it's a challenge for many of us to experience that peace in the midst of necessary busyness. Now, you are a widely known speaker. You're an author. Uh, your social research is, is groundbreaking. Tell us a little bit about what your research has shown regarding women and rest and the need for a book like this that's help, helps us to put in, in context Jesus' words in our busy life. You know, the biggest thing for me um I don't know about what your schedule is like. Mine is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that is just common today. The The biggest thing for me, as I said earlier, honestly, is this idea that, wow, it's actually possible. 
And, and I'll tell you, I, as I started to look at what are the causes of stress for us, especially as women, right? Because I think that there's a lot on our shoulders today. Mm-hmm. And to look at what the solutions were, I was looking at sort of in parallel, looking at what science says and looking at what scripture says. And it was fascinating because for me as, as a social scientist who's also a follower of Christ, I was just struck that basically everything that science says is what Scripture has said all along. And I love it when that happens, when science backs up what the Bible has said all along, you know. Um, But the biggest thing for me was recognizing that the solution is actually pretty different than what we've been told it is. Hmm. And I'll give you an example of that, if you don't mind. Please. Um, So... We often, as women especially, I am often told by, by well-meaning, you know, family members and friends, told things like, you just need to slow down. And I'll read books saying, you need to slow down. You need to take time off. You need to make a space of, of peace in your life. That, all of that may actually be true, but it's actually a little bit discouraging in a weird kind of way because I can... I can see that that is a solution for a short time. I'm, I'm not sure that a slow life is a solution for a lifetime. Like, it just doesn't seem feasible. We have a busy life. And I was really struck by what Jesus said in that passage that I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. of, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. His solution is something I think his, his audience in the day would have understood exactly what he was saying. I think we miss it in our modern world because we're not an agrarian society, but they would have gotten the analogy immediately because he says, here's the solution. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. From gentle and humble in heart, you will find rest for your souls, right? A, a, a yoke is an implement or a tool for a beast of burden like a horse or an oxen to plow a field to work in the heat of the day and and you're out I mean the analogy the imagery is you're out there working you're doing your daily work you're busy you're out there sweating he doesn't say here let me take the yoke off your shoulders and send you back to the barn to find rest mm-hmm. the, the example is in the middle of your busy daily life you can find rest for your souls it's, it's this great promise that you can be busy, but you don't have to be stressed. Like, you can, you can be busy in the middle of a, a pretty packed schedule. You don't have to be worried and anxious. Mm. To me, that was a huge promise. Well, that is a huge promise because I've had that same conversation. Um, and, it, it, again, it's possible sometimes to slow down a bit. Sometimes it's not possible. There are seasons in life when... That may not be the case. In the book, Find Rest, um, it's a 60-day devotional, and you walk your readers, you walk women through the eight elements of the journey to find rest. Mm-hmm. And again, that, that the, the use of the word journey implies that we're still moving forward. We're not simply reclining with a glass of ice water. We're still <laughs> active and moving and busy. Uh, but there's a way to do it that we can experience the very thing that Jesus promised. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing that I realized there's all these areas and this is and this is again as I looked at science and scripture. This is one of the things that really struck struck me is they come to the same essentially the same eight solutions, the same eight areas that we tend to kind of miss and we don't realize it, but we're often causing our own 
stress, really. And, and here's an example of that. One of the things that is very clear in the neuroscience and in sort of the medical community and in the Bible is that we really have to shift our perspective. We have to change how we think. And we, <laughs> I don't think we realize just how often we're stressed and anxious because we're focusing on the things that are going to make us stressed and anxious. And I was so struck by this. I was actually talking to a woman at one of my events recently. I was doing a, a women's event, and, and she came up to me, and she had been talking about the fact that she was in a difficult season in her marriage, and that was causing a lot of stress. You know, we as women, we get that. Like, it's like nothing was right with the world until that is resolved, right? And, and so she was really angry because she felt like her husband took her for granted. In her, sort of, in her world, she felt like he didn't do the chores, and he would, she would see him walk by the dishes in the sink, and she'd just get mad, like, you think this is my job, that I'm supposed to do this, and it was causing issues. So she looked at what the scripture said, because she didn't want her marriage to fail. And notice, you know, there's this great passage in Philippians 4, where Paul says, okay, rejoice, you know, like in all things, I'm going to repeat it, rejoice. And it's like, okay, Paul, you're in prison at the time that he wrote this, you're in prison, you're chained to a wall. How do you, how do you rejoice in a prison or a difficult marriage? And God says, okay, here's the prescription. You think on the things that are excellent and lovely and worthy of praise rather than what's worthy of driving you crazy. <laughs> and, and so she said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And so that night she said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to spend a couple of days looking at the things that are worthy of praise rather than where my brain wants to go. <laughs> and so that night she, she was looking and she noticed, okay, she had to work late for a big meeting, he came home from work early in order to take the kids to soccer instead of her. And then she came home from the meeting and it hadn't gone well. And so she was really upset and he, he listened, he comforted her, he strategized, okay, what do you do when you walk in tomorrow morning? And then later in the evening, their kids were squabbling. She was on her last nerve. She was going to go all off on them. And he said, I got it. And he, he didn't react. He, he was very calm and very wise and handled it very well. And she went, oh, my gosh, just in the last few hours, I've seen that I have this kind, wise, listening, loving, generous husband, and I'm worried about the dishes in the darn sink. Like, <laughs> no wonder I'm stressed. And we all do that without intending to. Wow, that's such a great example. We tend to think the circumstances surrounding us have to change in order for us to experience that peace when we hold the, the, the capacity for peace in our own hands or maybe yeah. in our own head. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way of putting it. Yeah. We're going to continue our conversation, but I do need to take a quick break. Again, we're talking about the beautifully uh, done book, Find Rest, A Woman's Devotional for Lasting Peace in a Busy Life. And who doesn't need to consider once again what Scripture has to say? And it's backed up by science. I, I, you know, I, I'm grateful for Scripture, and I'm grateful that we have now science that affirms what we already know to be true. And this book walks over the course of 60 days, walks you through those um, basic elements. Shanti Feldhahn is my guest. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 
We're back 53 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm continuing my conversation with Shanti Feldhahn. She is a wife, a mom, a Harvard graduate, and a former Wall Street analyst who unexpectedly became a social researcher, best-selling author, and sought-after speaker. Her books include For Women Only, For Men Only, The Male Factor, The Kindness Challenge, and Surprising Secrets of Highly Happy Marriages, which have sold more than 2 million copies in 24 languages. Her latest book is Find Rest, a woman's devotional for lasting peace in a busy life. And I mention all of those things because you clearly are a very busy woman and writing about finding peace in the midst of that kind of, uh, of activity. I mean, you have credibility. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned that you um, point out that there are eight elements of the journey uh, to find rest. And one of them is live according to your design. Explain yeah. what you mean by that, because I think that that can be a challenge for many of us. Yeah, essentially think of it this way. It's every created thing has a purpose behind its creation, why its creator made it, and sort of design specifications, like ways it's supposed to work and not supposed to work, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you tend to work with things the way that they're designed, the way they're supposed to work, they'll tend to work. If not, they'll tend to break, like my cell phone, right? Like if I, if I use it the way it's supposed to work, it'll generally work. If I dunk it in a bucket of water, <laughs> it's going to break. And every created thing has that, and, and we do too, We're made with a specific purpose behind our creation. God is very clear about that, that that was a purpose before we were ever born. Um, And that we've been given, you know, really specific talents and gifts and interests and just a way that we're put together, a way that we're wired. And if we work with our design specs, it'll tend to work. We'll tend to feel that sense of rest, even if we're busy. And if not, that's going to be one more layer of stress, one more thing that's going to cause us ache. And, and I'll give you another example of this. So last weekend, weekend before last, I was, at, I was out in California um, speaking at a women's event. And it was one of those, like, real fun, you know, women's events where they had kind of a women's farmer's market. They had all the little stalls where people were selling stuff. It was just really fun, right? And, you know, all the food in the back of the room. And I stood on stage and I said, look, I've been here in California for five days. I've, I've done all these different events while I've been here. I've been up late and, and I've been getting up early. I haven't been getting a whole lot of sleep. But as I'm standing here talking to you, I'm not exhausted at all. I'm energized. Mm. I, it feels right. Like I feel like I'm firing on all cylinders, despite the fact that I've been really busy. Like it just feels good. But if you ask me to bake those three dozen brownies back there, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, that just makes me twitch. Like I love looking at Pinterest, but it makes me break out in hives because I can't decorate the house like that. And a woman came up to me afterwards, and she's like, oh, I love Pinterest. I love baking the brownies, but don't ask me to get on stage. And and that's an example. It's just a silly little example. But when we're firing in our gifting and we're working in the way that God has designed us, that's when we feel that sense of life. Mm. Another another one that's related to that is build only on the rock. And you have two different elements. One is build only on the rock. The other is connect with God. That really goes to the core of who mm-hmm. we are and, and how we are able to stand in the midst of, of our busyness. Can you talk a little bit about each of those two? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the build, building only on rock is just our way of referencing the great parable where Jesus said, look, you're going to have storms. Like everybody's going to have stuff 
that comes at them. And the question is, what are you going to make as your foundation? Is it going to be something that tends to kind of sway, you know, with the sands or is it going to be rock? Is it going to be unmoving? And one of the things that gets us into trouble today is it will do stuff and jump to make decisions and handle things based on how we feel that day. Our feelings are going to change. Our feelings aren't rock. They, they can be shifting sands. And it's like, yeah, I, you know what? I may feel like I just have to stay late at the office today because I'm feeling insecure about, you know, what's going to happen at my job and, you know, these things. And so I'm, you know, honey, I'm sorry, I can't be home with you and the kids. I just, I have to stay here. And I'm letting that feeling guide me mm. as opposed to, you know what God says in the scripture, he talks about prioritizing those things that need to be first in our lives. And that I can trust him, that if I lay that foundation, that all of the winds can blow against my house, and it's going to be firm. And yet, if I do this and do that because I'm feeling a certain way, something's eventually, it's going to cause me more stress in the end. My marriage is going to be an issue, or, you know, I'm going to have difficulties with the kids because I prioritized what I was feeling at the time. So that's, a, that's an example of the build only on the rock. The connecting with God is an element that I think all of us are like, yeah, oh, of course, you know, we need to do that. But I want you to hold in your mind this image. You know that feeling you get when your cell phone starts running out of battery? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you get kind of tense, right? Like it's kind of stressful as you notice that your battery is going further and further and further and further. And it's like, oh, like you're just aching to get back to where you have a power cord. And then suddenly you spot the wall outlet and the power cord and you plug it back in and you just feel better as you watch the battery going up into the, into the good zone. It just, your stress leaks away. It's, you're more rested, right? Well, it, there's an analogy there that's really important. We run on batteries, so to speak. Our, our God has designed us to run on sleep and rest and food and the things we need for our life but there's really only one source of energy for us, and it's not found in a wall socket. And that that spiritual battery, really everything that makes us us, it has to be plugged in. We have to plug into our God, our Creator. And if we don't, it's going to be that stress of our battery running lower and lower and lower. We have to constantly be plugged into him. It's that pray without ceasing idea. Constantly keep your battery topped up. And you know what? All those things that could cause you stress, all those storms, the mean boss, the thing that your husband said, the, the issue that you had with your son that morning, yeah, those, those could cause, cause you stress. But if your battery is topped up because you spent that time with him, with the Lord, you're not going to feel that stress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once again, the book is titled Find Rest, A Woman's Devotional for Lasting Peace in a Busy Life. It's a hardback, beautifully uh, designed cover and kind of gold, rose gold um, in pages and uh, bookmark of, uh, of a, a beautiful ribbon. Uh, thank you so much for the book. I'm looking forward to going through it more slowly for my own personal <laughs> sake. 
and uh, encouraging others to do the same. Published by iDisciple. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, it really is a beautiful book. You might want to check that out. We've got news and traffic coming at the top of the hour. In the second hour, we're going to talk about the third annual International Day for the Unreached, as well as hear from Jeff Allen, who's going to be featured in our next comedy night on June the 16th. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Seven minutes after five o'clock is our time. This ask, at this hour, we're going to talk with Paul Zubinski, who is the director of innovation at Frontier Ventures, where he leads the Ralph D. Winter Launch Lab. This Sunday is a, a Pentecost Sunday. It's also the third annual International Day for the Unreached. And there's going to be a 90 minute global rallying cry on this Pentecost Sunday to focus on those, not just those who have heard the gospel and have failed to respond, but those who have never had the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus or to be presented with the gospel. Those are the unreached that this day focuses on. We'll tell you more about that when he joins us in our next segment. Also going to hear from Jeff Allen, who is uh, coming to the Portland area. To be more precise, he's coming to uh, East Hill Church for a comedy night Saturday, June the 16th. And we're going to talk with him a little bit about uh, his uh, life and background and what you can expect for this clean comedy night. And later in the hour, we're going to give away our next family four pack of tickets uh, to that event. Again, that's on June 16th at East Hill Church. Well, a new study finds that more people, the more people rely on Facebook, uh, their Facebook feed than, uh, for news, the less politically knowledgeable they are. Now, that may not come as a surprise to some, but Facebook has been taking a lot of flack of late with the revelations that Russian entities use the social platform to sow discord and spread misinformation. But it turns out that's not the only way Mark Zuckerberg's ubiquitous creation may be harming our Republic. A new study reports the more time people spend reading and sharing news items on Facebook, the poorer they did on simple tests of foundational facts about our system of government and its key players. Now, I'm not sure that one produces the other, but perhaps if you look to Facebook for as a source of information, it reflects uh, on a misunderstanding of some of the foundational facts of our republic. A greater reliance on social media and Facebook specifically for news might serve to depress knowledge levels, writes a research team led by Mike um, Cacciatore of the University of Georgia. This is particularly important given this, the uh, growth of news sharing and consumption through social media. Indeed, a 2017 Pew Research Center survey found two-thirds of Americans get at least some of their news through such platforms. Only 20% said they did so often, but that figure was up from 18% the year before. The research suggests that may not be a good thing. The study, published in the Journalism and Mass Communications Quarterly, used data from two surveys. One featured 2,806 Americans in the late uh, 2011 and early 2012, and another featured 3,006 Americans contacted in June of 2010. All were asked how often they read news stories on Facebook and how often they share those stories. They then answered a series of multiple choice questions about politics and government. Uh, they, uh, For those in the first survey, those uh, included uh, who is the current vice president, who has the final responsibility to determine whether a law is constitutional or not, and which one of the parties is more conservative than the other at the national level. The second group was asked, among other things, which party had a majority in the House of Representatives and to identify Eric Holder, who was then the attorney general. Well, the analysis revealed that while Facebook use itself failed to predict political uh, political 
uh, knowledge scores, how Facebook users engage with the platform was a significant uh, predictor of knowledge, the researchers reported. Increased use of Facebook for both news consumption and news sharing purposes was associated with lower political knowledge levels. It's interesting to me as I scroll through Facebook and I see some of the articles that are being posted, uh, I find oftentimes they're not timely. I may see an article that I read months ago being presented as if it were uh, were breaking news or things that have been discredited or are not from a credible source being presented as well. Well, the reason for this um, aren't clear uh, reasons, but the researchers offer some plausible explanations. The first and most obvious is selective exposure. The notion that users who rely heavily on Facebook for news purposes are specifically selected, uh, selecting agreeable information from like-minded individuals. And we all know that that's uh, that's an ongoing issue. In other words, their goal is to feel good, not to learn new things, hence their lower level of knowledge, or to find only those things that confirm what's already uh, believed. Two other possibilities, people who spend a lot of time on Facebook are spending less time with traditional news sources and thus missing out on important information, and social media encourages people to engage in emotion-laden hot-button issues rather than nuts-and-bolts information about how the government actually works or the story perhaps behind the headline. In other news, a state judge overturned California's doctor-assisted suicide law, uh, saying the, the legislation opening the door to life-ending drugs for the terminally ill uh, was unconstitutional because it was introduced in the wrong forum. Judge Jan, uh, Daniel Ottolia of uh, State Superior Court in Riverside said the law didn't fall within the scope of health care services when the bill creating it was debated during a special session on the topic. He didn't rule on the legality of allowing Californians to kill themselves. He stayed his order for five days. California's Attorney General Xavier Bacara said he would appeal immediately. We strongly disagree with this ruling and the state is seeking expedited review in the Court of Appeals, he said in a statement. The uh, legal... Um, the Life... Uh, Life League Defense Foundation, American Academy of Medical Ethics, and several physicians challenged the law, which allows adults to obtain a prescription for life-ending drugs, much like in the state of Oregon, if a doctor is determined that they have six months or less to live. The plaintiffs say the law lacks safeguards to protect against abuse. One state senator who uh, co-authored the legislation said he was disappointed by the ruling but confident that it would be overturned. The court order, if allowed to stand, would invalidate people's rights, he said. Governor Brown signed the law. It passed both houses. It went through hearings. Uh, there were no shortcuts. Well, we'll see what happens next. But again, the stay has been put in place as the challenge um, is being addressed. Well, more than 60 conservative leaders, some more prominent than others, published a joint statement arguing big tech companies need to do more to ensure people aren't being unduly silenced for their ideological viewpoints. Social media censorship and online restriction of conservatives and their organizations has reached a crisis level. That's what the message said. Conservative leaders now have banded together to call for equal treatment on tech and social media. Well, signees of the massive, uh, the missive rather, include Texas Republican Representative Lamar Smith, who is also the chair of the Media Fairness Caucus, Young America's Foundation President Ron Robinson, retired Army Lieutenant Colonel and former Republican Representative Alan West, Heartland Institute President and former House Representative Tim Hulescamp, Penny Young, Nance of Concerned Women for America, several past hires up in former President Ronald Reagan's administration. The uh, coalition enumerates four key areas of improvement. 
First, social media companies should provide transparency, it argues, saying we need detailed information so everyone can see if liberal groups and users are being treated the same as those on the right, the statement read. Social media companies operate in a black box environment, only releasing anecdotes about reports on content and users when they think it's necessary. Second, relevant firms should provide clarity on hate speech. The conservative factions uh, wrote that arguing uh, an ill-defined term and enforcement of such is liable to subjectivity and thus is often unequally applied. Today, hate speech means anything liberals don't like. Third and fourth, the coalition wants Facebook, Twitter, Google, Google-owned YouTube and the like to provide equal footing for conservatives and mirror the First Amendment. As mentioned within the text, the statement comes after Facebook CEO Zuckerberg. He testified on Capitol Hill to answer a number of questions pertaining to the company's conduct and how its platform is internally operated and externally manipulated. Multiple Republican lawmakers at that time grilled the tech executive for a bevy of censorship accusations. He said he would address them and then in the days following offered what uh, raised even more concerns from some about the role that uh, he and others within the company are playing in determining what constitutes viable information. And all but one of the 239 people on the doomed Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 had probably been unconscious, incapacitated by the sudden de. Uh, pressurization of the Boeing 777 and had no way of knowing that they were on an hours-long meandering path to their deaths. Well, experts think they have finally solved the mystery of the doomed Malaysia Airlines flight. Along with that path, a panel of aviation experts said on Sunday uh, was a brief but telling detour uh, to a town, a hometown of the captain, whom they believe was attempting to commit suicide and mass murder all at the same time. On two occasions, whoever was in control of that plane and was probably the only one awake tipped the craft to the left. The experts believe that the uh, the pilot, Zahari, the, the plane's pilot, was taking a final look. That's the chilling theory that the team of analysts assembled in Australia's 60 Minutes have posited about the final hours of MH370, the flight. Well, they suspect that the plane's 2014 disappearance and apparent crash was a suicide by the 53-year-old uh, Zahari and a premeditated act of mass murder. But first, the experts said they believe that he depressurized the plane, knocking out anyone aboard who wasn't wearing an oxygen mask. They would explain the silence from the plane as it veered wildly off course. No mayday from the craft's radio, no final goodbye text, no attempted emergency calls that failed to connect. Well, that would also explain how whoever was in control had the time to maneuver the plane to its final location. The wreckage has not been found, though hundreds of millions of dollars have gone into four-year search. The secret of what happened in the final moments of the ill-fated flight and the motive behind it all probably die with its passengers and ultimately with its pilot. But they believe that that is what happened. And speaking of mysteries, the mysterious plane hijacker known as D.B. Cooper, who's eluded authorities for more than 45 years, was an ex-military paratrooper from Michigan who boasted about the daring heist to a friend, according to a publisher who plans to reveal all the details. Michigan publisher Prince uh, Prince Pia uh, Media says that Cooper was a former military paratrooper and intelligence operative Walter R. Rica, and the principal um, uh, worked with... Um, uh, with his uh, best friend, Carl Lauren, in compiling the evidence to pin him, his name, specifically to that individual. 18 minutes after 5 o'clock is our time. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Quick break. We'll be back to talk with the Director of Innovation at Frontier Ventures about the upcoming annual International Day for the Unreached. 
You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, on Pentecost Sunday, May the 20th, American Idol finalist Phil Stacy is going to lead a global rallying cry on behalf of the world's two billion unreached people. It's the third annual International Day for the Unreached. Now, the unreached people are people who have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've never heard at all. This is going to be a 90-minute event from Focus on the Family's headquarters in Colorado Springs, Colorado, from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time. It's going to be live-streamed all around the world. We'll give you some more details uh, about that. Um, and my guest joining me is Paul Dubinsky. He is a director of innovation at Frontier Ventures, where he leads the uh, Ralph D. Winter Launch Lab. And uh, the U.S. Center for World Vision was the, the previous name of Frontier Ventures. It's best known for their perspectives on the world Christian movement. It was a class in 1974 that was held by Dr. Ralph Winter. Uh, joining us now again, Paul Dubinsky, the director of the uh, at the Innovative um, uh, Frontier Ventures to tell us about this uh, annual International Day for the Unreached. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Well, this is the third annual International Day for the Unreached. Explain to our listeners, first of all, and I, I, I want to make sure we understand who we're talking about, two billion unreached peoples, uh, but why it's important for us to, to designate a day to put into perspective how far we are from achieving the Great Commission. Oh, absolutely. You know, the people who are unreached are, are folks who have never even heard the name of Jesus, uh, have no opportunity to respond to the gospel in any way. And so to focus on that is fantastic and, and so important. I mean, there are, there are only 7.5 billion people in the world, and two, 2 billion of them have never heard. And I think for many of us, that's a shocking number because we imagine, given technology, the fact that we're in the 21st century, that that number would be much smaller. This reminds us that there's a great deal of work yet to be done. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's so difficult to get to some of these folks, Uh, Mm -hmm. even uh, the nomadic peoples who live in Central Asia and Northern Africa who are constantly on the move. Um, They don't have Internet. They don't have, in some cases, even radio. So it's very difficult to get to them. Now, the uh, the day is being celebrated on May the 20th because it's Pentecost Sunday. Explain to our listeners why that day is significant as we reflect on the two billion who have yet to hear about Jesus Christ. Well, certainly. Well, in the book of Acts, you know, that's the, the first day of Pentecost. Uh, the, the day of Pentecost is celebrated, or, or was the first occurrence of it really mm-hmm. was in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, it says almost the, the whole world was there. Uh, when the Holy Spirit came and the Church of Jesus Christ really launched forward uh, with such gusto. And the idea is then that we want to continue that, that all the people of the world today, not just the people of the world in the first century, would be able to hear and know about Jesus Christ and have churches among them. Now, one of the points I know that this event makes is that the task of world evangelism, just by virtue of what you've explained, it's too big for us to handle. So we need to recognize that this isn't something God is calling us to do on our own. We need the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to yield ourselves, to submit ourselves to him in order um, for, for this to be accomplished. We need to be available. Absolutely. You know, without the power of the Holy Spirit, none of this could happen. Uh, quite honestly, America couldn't do it. Ecuador couldn't do it. No country of the world could reach out to the entire globe without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, this alliance um, is in the event that's taking place on Sunday is going to be broadcast all across the country, but in other places around the world as well. Yes, it's quite exciting, really. Um, and you can get to it on Facebook Live, uh, using Facebook Live. The uh, event uh, is facebook.com slash day for the unreached. And there you can watch the whole thing live. It'd be fantastic. So if you can't be um, in Colorado at, uh, at the Focus on the Family Center, then at least you can watch. And that's just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I should mention that the... Uh... Uh, the Alliance is composed of Frontier Ventures, of Bibles for the World, the Joshua Project, Missio Nexus, Operation Mobilization, Mission Network News, Partners International, Reach Beyond, William Carey International University, uh, World Mission, uh, ZimZam Global, and In Christ Communications. So this is a coalition of organizations that are dedicated to carrying out the Great Commission and bringing the word, bringing the testimony of Jesus to those who are yet unreached. Yeah, and the fact that so many uh, organizations are getting together, and, mm-hmm. and really we could even use more. In fact, if, the, if your listeners have a church that would really like to participate in this, I'm sure that they can do that as well. Now, this was really inspired um, by a, a speech that was given by Dr. Ralph Winter. I believe it was in 1974. He gave a watershed speech at Luzon Congress for World Evangelism highlighting the reality of thousands of distinct people groups who are cut off from any forms of traditional evangelistic outreach. And that helped to catalyze uh, the modern frontier mission movement. Tell us a little bit about that event and how that has motivated many and moved the the church closer to recognizing the challenge. Absolutely. Back in uh, 1974, uh, many people of the world in the 70s, particularly in the 60s, thought, you know, the gospel is represented in every country of the world. So we finished with missions, right? And Dr. Winter got up with a number of other folks as well and said, well, the gospel may be in every nation of the world, but it's not in every people of the world. He said there are hidden peoples. Back then they weren't called unreached. They were called hidden mm-hmm. uh, because uh, they were hidden from, from plain sight. They were distinct languages and distinct cultures uh, from the nations even in which they live, uh, just like in America, I don't, we have, uh, I guess there are at, at least 20 languages that are spoken regularly in, in America, and some of them are official languages. But in other countries of the world, there are hundreds and thousands, even particularly in India. So there are these hidden peoples who have never heard the gospel. And so that, that idea caught fire. Um, in the 70s and in the 80s, and really spread, I guess, the heyday really was the late 80s, um, where unreached people groups and that concept really took off. And now it's it's basically the the key concept that missions organizations in the United States today um, think of when they think of unreached. Yeah. Now, let's talk about what you hope the result will be when people from all over the country and around the world participate by viewing the 90-minute event uh, from Focus on the Family's headquarters in Colorado Springs, uh, this live-streamed event. Um, What do you hope uh, will be stirred up in the hearts of men and women who care about uh, peoples of the world and particularly those who are yet unreached? It's it's really our desire, our, our deep hope that as we think about um, the entire world, there's so much information about the whole world, and we see so many things that are happening globally, that we also include in that idea that when we look at videos or see documentaries, that, hey, these folks who we're looking at now may have never had the chance to hear about Jesus Christ. And Barna did a, a, 
a piece of research just recently that showed that uh, 51% of American churchgoers don't even know what the Great Commission is. Mm. So it's really our hope that this event will highlight the need uh, of the world, of course, but also understand the Great Commission of Jesus Christ that he said, hey, I'm leaving now. You're, I'm giving you the responsibility to disciple the nation, teach them everything I taught you to be able to obey everything that I taught you. And that's our, that's our call. That's our Great Commission. Absolutely. Well, again, this 90-minute event from Focus on the Family's headquarters in Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, begins at 6 o'clock p.m. That's Mountain Time. I think that's 4 o'clock Pacific Time. It's going to be live-streamed around the world from their Facebook uh, page, and that's facebook.com slash day for the unreached, and you can participate as well. It's going to be a uh, a wonderful opportunity for us to be reminded of the Great Commission and, and I think help to build our gratitude for the fact that we have had the opportunity to hear the gospel. Mm. Let's extend that to others. Thank you so much for taking the time to tell us about it today. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciated it. God bless. Again, uh, Paul Dubinsky is Director of Innovation at Frontier Ventures, where he leads the Ralph D. Winter Launch Lab. We're talking about the event that takes place this Sunday, which happens to be Pentecost Sunday, uh, the third annual International Day for the Unreached. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. When we come back, we'll tell you, well, actually, I'm going to have a conversation with Jeff Allen. He is going to be the featured comedian on the comedy night uh, that Saturday, June the 16th at East Hill. We'll give you all the important details. We're also going to be giving away a family four-pack of tickets, so listen up for your opportunity to win. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to veer away from the sober and serious news of the day to let you know Reprieve is on its way. Jeff Allen is uh, going to be featured in a comedy night Saturday, June the 16th, 7 o'clock p.m., to which you are cordially invited to join us. We're going to be meeting at East Hill Church in Gresham. Jeff Allen offers clean humor with inspiration. He performs side-splitting stand-up and riveting testimonies. He's a favorite at outreach events and all kinds of venues. Uh, He's been uh, doing comedy for three decades. He's been performing at churches, on television, radio, for fundraisers, at corporate functions all across the country. His Happy Wife, Happy Life message, a message rather of a marriage gone wrong and redeemed has given laughter and encouragement to millions, and his comedy drives home the humor of everyday family life. He has starred in the critically acclaimed film Apostles of Comedy. He was featured in the Warner Brothers comedy film Thou Shalt Laugh. I could go on and on uh, with that, but he's also been uh, on every cable comedy show in the U.S., including Comedy Central's Premium Blend and VH1's Stand Up Spotlight. He's been featured on the Grand Ole Opry, the U.S. Comedy Arts Festival in Aspen, and the Montreal Just for Laughs International Comedy Festival, which is the most prestigious comedy venue in the world. He also headlined his own national comedy tour, Jeff Allen and Friends, Funny People of Faith. We are so excited that he is coming to the Portland metro area again in June on the 16th, and we would love for you to uh, to come join us for this comedy night. He's here now to talk a little bit about his coming to the Portland area, and we are pretty thrilled. Jeff Allen, welcome. We are so excited that you are coming to the Portland metro area to do some comedy. I hope so. I just booked the flight, and it's uh, it's literally a, a, a seven hour U turn. And it's not. I'm flying in the morning. I do the show, and I'm taking a red eye. <laughs> oh my goodness! My goodness! Now, what do you do to get ready for a comedy night? Uh, I nap. I'm old. I nap. <laughs> yeah, my dog. I, I've trained my dog. I look at him and I go, 
Blake, nap time. And he just runs right and lays in bed. So <laughs> he knows I have the a drill. Nap buddy. Yes. Now, have you been in the Pacific Northwest um, in recent years? Oh, sure. I've, um, uh, I, I used to do a club up in Portland uh, a, a number of years ago. And then uh, I've been to Seattle, uh, uh, northern Washington, uh, a handful of times. and did uh, the uh, Logan Bible uh, I think it's called Logan. Um, anyway, they have a Bible study uh, software, and I did. Their, I've done their uh, Christmas party a couple times. And yeah, I love the uh, Pacific. As a matter of fact, I was hoping I could tie in Band of Dudes while I was up there playing some golf, but uh, it's just not going to work. Not going to work out this time. Well, we're excited to have you come. How challenging is it to be a comedian and to make a commitment to being a, a, a clean comedian so that you can pretty much perform anywhere without crossing any lines that moms and dads would be covering their sons and daughters ears. Well, it's funny because it wasn't until I became clean that I got more successful mm-hmm. and um, it, it fits me. What does Shakespeare say to thine own self be true? Yeah. And uh, I tried every, everything I could be to be somebody else. I wanted to be George Carlin. I wanted to be Richard Pryor. I wanted to be, you know, and, um, about my mid thirties, uh, I think when Dice Clay hit his peak, you know, I was still working clubs and casinos and stuff. And I looked at my wife one day over breakfast and I said, "If the next guy who's going to be successful thirty is going to have to go beyond Dice Clay, I can't do it. I can't bring myself to get there." You know, and I was too dirty to be clean and too clean to be dirty. So um, I paid my kid a quarter for every swear word he heard come out of my mouth and. The first couple of days, it was costing me a few bucks. So I realized I wasn't trained, raising my kids right. And at that time, I was uh, I was being pulled towards my, my faith. I, um, Christ captured my heart when I was 40. So this was probably when I was 37 or 38. Mm. So I believe that he was working through me um, anyway. And um, it just worked for me. You know, you get a thesaurus out. And you realize that, you know, we've been given a wonderful language and I'm a storyteller. Uh, so and then when I made the commitment to start working in churches, it was a dream for me because church people are used to hearing people talk for 45 minutes, one, without interrupting. So I wasn't getting heckled a whole lot. <laughs> and two, uh, with metaphors and uh, descriptions and, uh, you know, the, the studies of come back that church people read a lot more than uh, the average American. And uh, it was a good fit for me. Um, so I'm looking forward to coming to Gresham. I don't think I've ever been to Gresham. The thriving metropolis of Gresham. You'll absolutely, uh, absolutely love it. Now, when you come to an area of the country like the Pacific Northwest, do you take... We lived our life at the table. I, 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 I was 40 years old when Christ captured my heart. 40. So our kids were, uh, you know, probably 11 and 7 at the time, and, and uh, so we started praying at dinner for for the first time in our in our in our family in our family life. So I said to my youngest son, he's about seven, I said, "Why don't you say the prayer tonight?" And he goes, uh, and he ends the prayer, in "Jesus' name, Amen." And the oldest goes, "Nah, it's Amen." He goes, "Nah." Pastor says, amen. No, pastor says, amen. No, pastor says, amen, 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 amen. At one point, Tammy goes, will you say something? I go, you're not enjoying this? I love good theological debate. I said, boys, you've just stumbled upon the reason there are 5,000 Christian denominations in the world today. Why don't you be pastor of the church of the amens? You pastor the church of the amens. 
And as you bicker with each other about who heard the true voice of God, you can miss the fruits of Christ entirely in your life. Huh? Tailor your, your comedy to where you are, or is there just a general universal uh, set of themes that, that make, uh, make people laugh? I think it's a general set, you know, because, you know, you look at, um, I think it was more regional years ago, but because of social media and the, uh, yeah. and YouTube and, and everything, I think people are all kind of on the same page and, uh, certainly younger people. Uh, I've been getting a lot of younger people in my shows and I think they're just more comedy savvy than, than, than I was growing up. I mean, we had the tonight show. If you want to see a stand up comedian, you saw him on, on the tonight show for four minutes, you know, and now with comedy central. And Netflix, gosh, I've been watching Netflix specials um, the last few months. And uh, it's amazing how much comedy is out there. So uh, people are, you know, the younger people are hip. I had some kid, 15 years old, come over and he goes, man, your timing is impeccable. (laughs) (laughs) Like he would know, huh? Thank you. you. I appreciate that. Well, we're looking forward to having you um, having you come here, and you might want to spend some time in the Portland area. The theme in the city is uh, keep Portland weird, and there's probably more material than you'd ever need for any routine uh, anywhere in the world. So um, it's going to be a great time to have you here and to get an opportunity to hear you uh, and hear you face to face. You're going to be here on Saturday, June uh, June the 16th, 7 o'clock p.m. at East Hill Church. And for our listeners, kpdq.com, you can find out all the important details. Uh, for Jeff's appearance here. Pretty busy schedule these days? Yes. I've been uh, just coming off probably the busiest month I've, I've, I've had in a while. It's, it's, it's amazing. God has been blessing the ministry. I've been, uh, you know, I just did a series of shows. This is the third or fourth one with Salem. And, um, uh, we're just getting great, you know, great turnouts and, um, it's a great date night. Uh, I always tell people, you know, this is a, a no brainer for a guy. Or a, or a husband or a wife, just just come on out. You can sit for an hour, just laugh, and um, it, there's nothing better than that. I, I don't know about anybody else's marriage, but when <laughs> I hear my wife laughing, first of all, I want to know what she's laughing at. I feel like I'm being betrayed because she she stopped laughing at my stuff years ago. <laughs> and um, so it's it's a great uh, great date night. Um, you know, we've been getting uh, you know uh, churches uh, in the area where we're working to to you know get a bunch of people together buy group tickets and um and and come out um and bring the ingrates the kids man you know <laughs> that's a, a clean show well jeff allen we are so looking forward to you joining us here on saturday june the, the 16th seven o'clock p.m east hill church and our listeners can go to kpdq.com for all the important details hey thanks for taking the time yeah, absolutely thank you for having me we can't do it without you <laughs> see you. you on the 16th bye-bye Okay, bless you. Again, Jeff Allen coming to uh, East Hill Church on Saturday, the 16th of June, 7 o'clock p.m. We would love to have you join us for that show. And with things as serious as they are, a good laugh in the middle of the month is just what we might need. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. By the way, we want to give a family four-pack of tickets away to the upcoming 
Comedy Night with Jeff Allen. That's Saturday, June the 16th at East Hill Church in Gresham, 7 o'clock p.m. You can call 503-786-9390. That's 503-786-9390. We're going to give those tickets away to caller number two. Again, 503-786-9390. A family four-pack of tickets to the Clean Comedy Night with Jeff Allen, Saturday, June the 16th at East Hill Church. For more details, you can go to kpdq.com. You can also purchase your tickets there if you fail to win the tickets we're giving away right now. Well, last week, Colorado, Colorado Mesa University gave the class of 2018 a lot more than their diplomas to celebrate. The Grand Junction campus, they decided to let Carissa Erickson quote the Bible in her speech, but not without a fight. Yeah, you heard me, a fight. Well, the controversy started a few weeks ago when Erickson, a nursing student, turned in her remarks for graduation. She was asked to speak um, and presumably to speak her mind. Well, in them, she talks about preserving through uh, persevering rather through adversity. God always has a purpose. She wanted to say, I find comfort in Jesus words and I pass them on to you. John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You'll have tribulation, but take comfort. I have overcome the world in quote. Well, the CMU president, Tim Foster, apparently didn't find comfort in Jesus words and ordered them scrubbed from her address along with any mention of God. Well, he and his administrative team, they warned her of repercussions if she left the text in. Well, some people didn't appreciate those references. They insisted. Unfortunately for Foster, that's not the legitimate reason to deny anyone, let alone a student, their constitutional right to free speech, even on a platform at a graduation. Well, Erickson contacted our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom, who wasted no time schooling the college on the uh, particulars of the First Amendment, which apparently they were not schooled in. According to CMU officials, ADF attorneys wrote, the university is censoring Miss Erickson's references to Jesus and the Bible because they might offend another student or attendee. But this reasoning flatly ignores decades of First Amendment jurisprudence. For the First Amendment exists precisely to protect controversial speech. Almost immediately, the university reversed course. College spokeswoman Dana Nunn said the faculty were trying to do the right thing but made a mistake. It was a well-intentioned misunderstanding of what was appropriate, she wrote. Uh, I think it's uh, fair to say that a lot of people have their own interpretations of the separation of church and state. And the faculty member that initially asked for the change was just trying to do the right thing. She was just not correct legally. It was a well-intentioned and honest error, but an error nonetheless. As soon as the error came to our attention, of course, once the attorney contacted them, we did our best to correct it. Well, ADF's Travis Barham uh, was impressed by how quickly the university changed course. When they were confronted with what the law required, they quickly backtracked and allowed the student to speak freely. Of course, it's an important lesson to all of us that just because we have religious freedom doesn't mean we won't have to fight to exercise it. Um, the, uh, the graduation went forward. Erickson gave her speech. Um, she stood up for what she believed and spoke her mind and uh, gave her generation um, the uh, the words of Jesus to try to encourage them as they move forward. So kudos to her. And it, it was another uh, tip of the graduation a cap uh, for a, a student who pressed forward. Well, on Saturday, which is the um, what the 20th of is that, right? The Saturday, the 20th, 17th, 18th, 19th of uh, of May. It's the third Saturday in May. Millions of American patriots observe Armed Forces Day offering due honor and respect for the soldiers, sailors, 
airmen, marines, and coast guardsmen serving our nation. In 1950, President Harry Truman called for the establishment of a designated day to recognize the extraordinary service and sacrifice of our military personnel. I want to pause for just a moment and uh, mention that on Thursday, I had the opportunity to, uh, was it, I'm getting my days all mixed up. I have a head cold and I'm on stuff. And so that explains at least in part. But I had the opportunity to travel to Lebanon for uh, an event that focused on first responders and military men and women. The room uh, was full of of uh, Gold Star families, as well as men and women who serve in the armed forces uh, abroad, those, those who serve in uh, law enforcement here, as well as firefighters and EMS. And it was just such a, a blessing to be in the company of such brave men and women who serve our country on a daily basis and don't always get the recognition that they are due. So I'm especially happy to mention that Armed Forces Day is... Um, is coming up. And again, it's a, a consolidated, uh, uh, the anniversaries and observes, observances of many of the military branches, the Army, the Marines, Air Force, following the unification of the services branch under the newly formed Department of Defense. So this is uh, offering uh, due honor and respect for the soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Coast Guardmen serving our nation, established back in 1950. And while the uh, uh, these men and women uh, serve our country so well. I wanted to uh, remind you that this is an opportunity for us to acknowledge that. Well, among the uh, military holidays that are celebrated each year is the Armed Forces Day. It's celebrated, as I mentioned, the third Saturday in May. It um, falls during Military Appreciation Month, which you may not have known is the month of May, and joins Memorial Day, Military Spouse Appreciation Day, and Victory in Europe, or VE Day, as another May military-themed holiday. Well, on August the 31st, 1949, Defense Secretary Lewis Johnson announced the creation of an Armed Forces Day to replace separate uh, days acknowledging each branch of the military. Well, the single-day celebration, it stemmed from the unification of uh, the armed forces under the Department of Defense. When well, a speech announcing the creation of the day, President Truman at the time praised the work of the military services at home and across the seas. He says it's vital to the security of the nation and to the establishment of a desirable peace, something that we enjoy because the brave serve. Well, in an excerpt from the president's proclamation from 1950, Truman stated, Armed Forces Day, Saturday, May 20th, 1950, marks the first combined demonstration by America's defense team of its progress under the National Security Act toward the goal of readiness for any eventuality. It is the first parade of preparedness by the unified forces of our land, sea, and air defense. Well, each year, Armed, First, uh, Armed Forces Day rather has a new theme. The very first theme was Teamed for Defense. Over the years, other themes have included appreciation of a nation, arsenal of freedom and democracy, dedication and devotion, detour if possible, fight if necessary, freedom, freedom through unity, Guardians of Peace, Lasting Peace, and Liberty and Patriotism. Well, the first Armed Forces Day was celebrated by parades, open houses, receptions, air shows. In Washington, D.C., some 10,000 troops of all branches of the military, cadets and veterans, marched past the president and his party. In Berlin, a 1,000 U.S. troops paraded for the German citizens at um, an airfield there. In New York City, an estimated 33,000 participated uh, participants rather initiated Armed Forces Day under an air cover of 250 military planes of all types. Well, today, Armed Forces Day is celebrated in American communities and on military bases throughout the world with parades, picnics, shopping discounts, eh, festivals, and parties. Again, that's coming up this Saturday. Well, tomorrow, all things being equal, we're going to enjoy a fun Friday program, and we're hoping that there are no emergencies that emerge, but... uh, 
uh, will break in if there is breaking news to share. So that's coming up uh, on Friday. Also want to remind you next week, we're going to have an opportunity to uh, sit down with the folks from Food for the Poor and give you an opportunity to learn what's happening in Haiti. And over many years, we've covered the news there. We've uh, raised funds to support their efforts there. And so this next week, we're going to have another opportunity to hear from them having just returned uh, from um, from there. We're also going to hear from our sister station's uh, afternoon host, Crystal, who traveled with him this time around uh, to Haiti. So we're looking forward to that. Well, we want to thank James Blinn for engineering and producing today's program. Thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. And I hope you'll join us here tomorrow where we'll lighten things up. But if there is breaking news, we certainly will break in. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>